You're listening to the FIEC podcast. In this episode, FIEC National Director John Stevens gives an update on the latest coronavirus restrictions and the implications for churches. Well, we're going to turn to um, thinking about the regulations and the new kind of guidance for churches and what that means um, uh, for us. Um, uh, so, um, as you'll know, the um, UK or England entered into step three of the lockdown on Monday, the 17th of May. Um, I, I'm going to speak um, about the new position in England. I'm conscious there are subtle differences in Scotland and Wales. It's hard enough to get your head around all the English stuff. Um, uh, so I apologise for not at this point speaking about in, um, sort of Wales and Scotland in detail, although some of the principles are um, the same. But this Sunday will be the first Sunday that we're meeting as churches under this uh, new regime. Um, and actually, depending on what happens with the Indian variant and government decisions as to the step four of the lockdown, we don't know exactly how long this um, uh, kind of uh, sort of uh, regime will be um, operating in relation to churches. As I've said all along, um, in many ways, coming out of lockdown is much harder than going into it. Um, when lockdown is entered and the rule is simple and clear, it's very easy. You have relatively little discretion as to what you do to um, implement the guidance. Um, government is trying to accomplish two objectives at the same time, or maybe three objectives. It's trying to enable as much of uh, sort of public life to open up as is possible, but at the same time to be able to minimise the risk um, of COVID spreading. And it's also seeking to move from having legal rules and um, sort of uh, strict guidance to instead emphasising personal responsibility and choice. So we've got that combination of opening up, protecting against risk, but also introducing personal choice. And the consequence of that is it makes it a whole lot messier as to what is required in practice. So please don't shoot me. I don't make up the rules. I'm going to try to explain to you what they are. I think the implementation of them for churches is going to be very much more complex. It opens up the potential for much more division and disagreement. We're going to exercise a high degree of wisdom as to what we do. There aren't always going to be straightforward answers as to what um, is uh, required. It's also worth saying, I think, that from a government perspective, I simply don't think they understand churches, nor are they particularly thinking about churches as the prime object of their rules. So they're seeking to apply to churches principles that have been devised more generally for society. And frankly, they're quite difficult to map onto uh, churches and the nature of our activities. And if they are thinking about churches, I think their working assumption is a church is a big building with a small congregation. And they're simply not thinking about churches that are full or nearly full to capacity that are struggling with issues. Um, and actually, that probably reflects the fact that the vast majority of churches in the country are biggish buildings with smallish congregations. Um, but that's not the context for many of our churches, which makes the application particularly difficult. So um, uh, this is my attempt to explain the key things about the um, uh, sort of uh, current uh, guidance. This is in line with what the Baptist Union has published as ever. They've produced a, a kind of a helpful summary and guide. They also include Scotland and Wales in their guide, um, although they don't go into the details and the practicalities that I want to raise as we talk about this today. Um, firstly, I think crucially important for church leaders is um, irrespective of what the guidance in various different forms, whether it be the general guidance on social distancing um, or performing arts uh, or places of worship, say, um, actually you have to remember that for places of worship, 
uh, we are required to observe COVID secure rules, including social distancing. So the basic duty and responsibility in relation to churches is still to seek to enable um, them to be COVID secure places. Um, that's important because that's part of the health and safety duty that we have. Um, we've seen all along that you need to produce risk assessments. Um, that risk assessment is all about seeking to ensure that your building um, is COVID secure in the way that it is uh, used. Um, and uh, 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 sort of that's because they are public buildings. Um, they're not simply the equivalent of your own home. So we do have an overriding duty to um, uh, observe the COVID secure rules, which means that as we think about how we implement the guidance, um, that is a, a governing principle. And we can't simply, um, as it were, push the guidance to whatever we want to do, avoiding the COVID secure um, requirements. In terms of understanding what the guidance means in practice, it seems to me it's probably very helpful to distinguish in our minds two important things. We need to distinguish mingling and mixing from social distancing. Both of those terms are really important, but it's helpful to keep them separate in your mind. Mingling and mixing is about who you can interact with. So mingling and mixing means talking with other people. It means praying with other people, discussing with other people. It's the interaction with them, having a cup of coffee with them. Um, uh, uh, and as you know, the, the guidance all along has limited the ability to mix and mingle um, outside of defined um, groups. Mixing and mingling needs to be distinguished from social distancing. Social distancing is the distance you're meant to keep away from people in order to minimise the risk of um, uh, passing COVID. The point is this, um, you might be able to mix and mingle. That doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't socially distance. So there's a fundamental difference between mixing and mingling, who you can interact with, and the distance that you're meant to maintain from people. So um, the mere fact that you can mix and mingle doesn't mean that there's no social distancing requirement. They're two quite different things that you need to um, uh, bear in mind. Well, what does that mean then for people um, in terms of meeting? Well, the general rules about meeting indoors are the key thing that changed on the um, 17th of May. So from the 17th of May, um, uh, you are now, um, uh, a, a, oh, sorry, no, let me just, I'll come back onto the social distancing requirements. Um, uh, it's helpful to just set out there. So the, the general social distancing guidance um, as applies, is that you are supposed to maintain social distancing between people from different households. It still remains the case that um, if you're not in the same household, in other words, you're not living together and interacting all the time and touching, etc., you are supposed to try to maintain social distance of two metres or one metre plus with other mitigations like masks or ventilation or being outside. Um, and, and that remains the generic social distancing guidance. So social distancing is still meant to be um, uh, sort of advisable between people from different households. Um, the government has, however, said that there isn't strict guidance when you're meeting with family and friends, that in that context, you should simply exercise personal responsibility as to whether you keep your distance um, uh, or not. So what was guidance applying in every situation has now been modified so that there's a, a personal responsibility when you're meeting up with family and friends whether in your home, outside, in the garden, in the, in the park or whatever. The challenge is that church isn't seen as quite a gathering of family and friends in that way. As I say, we come back to the fact that we are meant to be COVID secure uh, kind of venues.
So um, let's move on to church meetings in uh, to meetings indoors. The general principle for meeting indoors that changed on the 17th of May is that you can now meet indoors and not just outdoors. So you can meet indoors as a maximum group of six individuals from multiple households or two households in total. So either six people or two uh, households. So you can now have people um, into um, your home. Now, even though you are meeting indoors uh, in a group of um, six or two households, the guidance is still that there should be social distancing between individuals from different households. So even though you can meet up indoors, um, you're meant to maintain social distancing if you're not in the same household. As I said, that's qualified where you're meeting friends and family, where there's this principle of personal responsibility. Um, uh, there is then meant to be, if you're meeting in these groups of six or two households, no mingling or mixing outside of the group. So can you see there the difference? Um, there's to be social distancing within the group, but you can mix and mingle in the group, but there's not meant to be mixing and mingling outside of the group. So you can meet only as a discrete group of um, six or two households. Now, those are the, the general principles that apply um, uh, even to private homes. Um, the question and the challenge is how to translate that to church meetings. So how does that apply to um, church meetings when we gather together for our worship services um, and other things that we can do in church life. Well, it's clear that under the new guidance, um, uh, where you have a, a church building and you're meeting in the church building, you can seat in groups at the services in these groups of six individuals or two households. So up until now, you've only been able to sit with people in your household, uh, but now you can come and be in church with a group of six other individuals or a maximum of two households. So you can, as it were, so you can be groups of um, uh, six or two households inside the church uh, kind of building. So um, uh, in the church, you can have in effect multiple groups of um, uh, of up to six or two households um, that are together. Those um, groups uh, can mix and mingle with the members of the group. So um, where you've got in the church multiple groups of six or two households. They can be talking, praying, discussing with one another in the group. Um, uh, so within the group, you're able to um, interact. That makes it possible to have Bible studies and prayer meetings within the groups. So you can pray together um, in the group. You can talk about the Bible together in the group, chat with uh, one another in the group. So the group can be um, a functioning unit. And you can have in a church, you can have multiple groups of six um, or two households in the same space, um, uh, praying in their groups or discussing in their groups. So it opens up not just services at which people are sitting in these groups, but things like Bible studies and prayer meetings. Um, the key um, uh, principle though, to still bear in mind is that there should be no mixing or mingling um, between the groups. So if you've got um, uh, sort of multiple groups meeting um, inside, uh, the uh, kind of church, whilst they can interact with one another, they're not supposed to mingle with other people outside of, of their particular group. So you shouldn't be chatting, praying, discussing um, with people um, outside uh, of that group indoors. That's the position indoors. Uh, it gets more complicated when you begin to then add in outdoors, because the position in relation to um, meeting um, outdoors is uh, different. Um, uh, so meeting uh, outdoors, 
uh, under the current guidance, you can now meet together as a group of 30 on a public or private, uh, in a public or private space. So um, uh, whereas before the 17th of May, it was again a group of six or two households, it can now be a group of um, 30. Um, and that includes in private gardens. So you can now have 30 people back into your garden at home um, because that is an outdoor uh, uh, kind of uh, meeting. But again, this is subject to um, uh, the uh, principle that you should maintain social distancing between individuals from different households. So even though you're able to meet as a group of 30, you're meant to socially distance between those who are part of dis different households. What you can do is mix and mingle within the group of 30. So uh, again, you can interact with one another's outdoors <coughs> in the group of 30. So you can mix and mingle, but you should still socially um, distance. Well, what implications does that have for church meetings outdoors? Well, um, uh, uh, you can obviously gather in groups of 30 outdoors um, in a public space or a private space. If you have your own church premises, if you've got a church car park, a garden or courtyard, which is treated as being part of the place of worship, you can actually have multiple groups of 30 meeting outside. So um, uh, you can meet outside in multiple groups of 30 on the church premises. Um, uh, 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 so um, uh, you're not limited to a total of 30 overall, but it must be in groups of uh, 30. Uh, where you're meeting outdoors in that way and you've got multiple groups of 30, the guidance is that the maximum capacity of the space must be determined by social distancing. So given the space that you've got and the requirements of social distancing, how many people in total could meet in groups of 30 outside. So you can't pack in as many as you want. You've got to think about what does the space permit when social distancing is required. Uh, and then when you're meeting outside in that way, you are meant to observe social distancing, both within the group of groups of 30, between those from different households, and also between the groups. So the groups are meant to be distanced from each other. And then within the group, you're meant to maintain distancing with people who are not in your household. And um, uh, then uh, there's to be no mingling and mixing between the groups. So each group of 30 can mix within the group, but you're not supposed to then mix and mingle with those in another group of um, 30. And if you've not got your own church car park, garden or courtyard, then you're limited to the one group of 30. When we move to um, weddings and funerals, there are slightly different rules um, that are here. So for weddings, the new um, maximum attendance is 30 people in the church building. For funerals, it is now clear there is no limit on the numbers of people who can attend um, a, a funeral. Now, where you have a wedding or a funeral and you've got the 30 people or the unlimited number of people, um, uh, there's no prohibition on mixing or mingling between the people who are attending the funeral or the wedding. In other words, the expectation is they will be able to interact with one another. But again, although you can mix and mingle, the guidance is still that social distancing should be observed. So again, between people who are from different households, social distancing um, should still continue to be observed, but you can uh, interact. And for funerals in particular, the limit of the capacity of the building ought to be determined by social distancing. So social distancing provides a maximum capacity for the building uh, for attendance at an event like a funeral where there is no limit. 
Now, all I can say is you can imagine that these present some really significant questions for churches as to how this is to be implemented. What does it mean in terms of our booking, our seating, our arrangements, the way that we um, do things? And the challenge here is obviously many of our churches, we want to maximise capacity by enabling as many people to fit in. And maybe there's been a hope that these new rules will mean that suddenly our capacity increases. I think what we need to bear in mind is that although people can sit in uh, uh, kind of groups that are not just their household, because of the ongoing uh, guidance on social distancing, that doesn't automatically increase the capacity of the building. In actual fact, it's going to be very difficult to calculate the capacity of buildings because it will depend on who people are and whether they're coming in. So people who are in a group from a household don't need to socially distance. People who are from a group where they're from different households, the guidance is that they should continue to socially distance. So planning how people um, uh, sit in our services and how we observe those uh, criteria suddenly becomes very um, uh, potentially complicated. Um, uh, so uh, the whole issue of working out our capacity and seating, how we manage social distancing within groups, um, I think is a significant challenge for churches. Now, um, uh, given that we're now um, in the summer period, the social distancing rule for inside is two metres or one metre plus with more mitigations. I think um, those mitigations include ventilation and they include um, wearing of face coverings. It's still law to require face coverings. So I think many churches will legitimately conclude that if they are gathering inside with face coverings, they throw open the windows and ensure ventilation, then um, they will be satisfying the guidance on social distancing if they maintain one metre distancing rather than requiring two metre distancing. That gives some scope for increased capacity. But you can see the problems. The mere fact that you've got people in groups of six or two households doesn't take away from um, the guidance that social distancing should apply. And yes, it's absolutely right that the government is saying people with friends and family should exercise their own judgment. The problem is that churches are treated as a public space and it's not quite a situation in which you could, should be saying to everybody, oh, just turn up and sit with who you want in your group. You don't have to worry about it if you uh, don't want to keep your distance. I think at the very least, we ought to be advising people who come to church of what the guidance is and that we're asking them um, to um, continue uh, to observe that. Uh, and that needs to be taken into account in our, our risk assessment um, and planning. In any event, as people gather together, although the government has said that in some circumstances people should exercise their common sense, I think we need to be careful not to presume that everybody who is going to join a group or meet with others uh, indoors or indeed outdoors is going to be happy to simply um, a, a, a kind of uh, cease social distancing. In other words, that personal choice will, of course, mean the personal choice of both parties, not the choice of just one person who doesn't want to observe distancing. There's a real need to respect people who want to continue to maintain distance. Um, and I think at the moment there are quite a lot of people who are fearful who would not be willing to um, simply uh, uh, kind of set aside um, what have been the social distancing um, sort of guidance. We need to also be careful about extremely vulnerable people. So um, the guidance makes clear that extremely vulnerable people can attend church, but for extremely vulnerable people, they're advised to take extra precautions which um, in particular means, means uh, taking steps to maintain their distance 
uh, from uh, kind of others. So I think all, all of that means it's quite difficult as churches to simply say, uh, if people come in their groups, we're going to abandon social distancing. We'll just set chairs out in groups of six and people can go and sit in them and we'll maximise our capacity in that way. I think there are going to be some questions of how we book and how we organise, which I'm afraid become more complex. Now, if it's any encouragement, um, this is a very messy stage. Your heart is probably sinking as you think about what all this means and whether it's even possible. Let's try and maintain a sense of perspective that if all things continue in the way government has expected, the probability is that these rules will only be in effect until the 21st of June. So it's only for a limited period of time until the government has been talking about um, relaxing all requirements. So um, I, I think we ought to maintain a measure of perspective and that might raise questions as to how much energy we put into trying to implement these new rules in ways that maximize capacity and in, in increase sort of um, our capacity by a relatively small um, uh, uh, amount. The effort may outweigh the benefit given that the time um, uh, that is, is involved. Now, we can't guarantee it will be only until the 21st of June because of all that's happening with um, the new variant, but that is um, the hope. Um, lastly, let me say something about congregational singing. Congregational singing, uh, again, the, the advice has not really changed there. It is still the advice that indoors congregations shouldn't sing. So you shouldn't have congregational singing. You can have up to six amateur singers who should be socially distanced by two meters from one another and socially distanced from the congregation. Or you can have an unlimited number of professional singers. Again, remember professional singers doesn't mean anybody you pay to sing in the service. Professional singer means somebody whose job their main source of income is professional performance. Um, uh, so for most of our churches, six amateur singers will be um, what we're um, able to use. Outdoors, uh, you can sing in your groups of 30. So uh, whether you're a, a, a single group of 30, or if you're in multiple groups of 30, you can sing outdoors. Obviously the um, uh, sort of uh, outdoors is better ventilated, so therefore there's not the same risk. So again, if, you, if your whole church can meet in groups of 30 outdoors, you need to almost think of it as discrete choirs of 30 all singing together at the same time. Um, but again, social distancing is meant to be maintained. And finally, one other thing to note from the guidance is that parents and children gatherings indoors, the total capacity has been increased to 30 people. So if you're running, um, parents and children gatherings um, uh, indoors, you can have up to 30 people um, and children under five and staff are excluded from those numbers. So for those who are running things like mums and toddlers groups, um, uh, actually this increases the capacity of the number of people that you can have inside the building. Um, I apologize for how complex it is. As I said, um, I haven't made this, I, I actually engaged with government yesterday because of real lack of clarity as to what the implications of some of the way things are drafted um, are and the way different documents about COVID relate to one another. So all of this is in the light of the answers I received from, from officials in the um, kind of Department of Housing, um, Local Government and Communities, as they explained what the intention was behind um, uh, the, the guidance. And actually in the light of my engagement with them, they changed a couple of bits of the guidance because they'd got it wrong or they wanted to um, clarify it. So that's that's the best I can do to explain what's required. I do realize that for many of you, it presents real challenges as to how you administer the whole process of people booking to come to church and the way that you manage to facilitate groups, plus also the social distancing um, uh, elements 
uh, that um, the guidance says we should continue to observe. I'm sorry that's been um, as long. I hope it's helpful to you. Um, and we can go to um, some questions if there are questions that people would like to ask. Oh, where to start, John? Uh, thank you. So uh, I think a lot of your a lot of people's questions, I think John went on to answer, which is very much about um, social distancing within the group. So maybe if I just ask you a quick catch all question for clarity, John, to begin with, let me just um, feed this back to you. Let me know if this is right. So people can gather indoors in groups of six or two households, but the households within those groups must still be socially distanced at two metre or one metre plus with mitigations. That's the way the government describes the guidance for places of worship. It flows from the fact that places of worship are not a private space, they're a public space. And public spaces are meant to be kept as um, sort of uh, COVID secure. So um, whilst the government wants in private individuals to be able to exercise reasonable judgment as to how close they get to friends and family, whether they hug, whether they don't hug, there is a different responsibility on public venues and those who are responsible for public venues and churches fall into that category. So what people in church do when they go and meet in somebody's home is their business. What principles we're trying to adopt in church when we're required to maintain a COVID secure environment have to inevitably be different. Uh, John, can you say anything about tea and coffee after the service? Because there was something in the updated guidance about that, but you've, you've not mentioned it here. What, what, uh, what do people need to think about in that respect? I think you can have tea and coffee. Um, I think it's meant to be counter service is how you um, receive it. And again, you're only meant to have your tea and coffee with the people you're entitled to mix and mingle with, not more generally um, than that. So a, a tea and coffee free for all in which all of the groups would break down and people were mixing and mingling across their groups would not be acceptable. So you really have to find a way of serving tea and coffee to people. I think people are also supposed to sit for having uh, tea and coffee. So um, again, the rules are about trying to prevent mixing um, outside of the limits that government is trying to draw. John, any thoughts on whether churches might sort of start singing behind face masks as we move towards the 21st of June, just to try and get people more used to that ahead of those restrictions perhaps being lifted on the 21st of June? All I can say in relation to that is that would be contrary to the guidance as it's given. The guidance is clear. You should not sing. And that includes singing behind face masks. So there's been no change whatsoever in the position in relation to um, guidance. Um, uh, we don't actually know exactly what the position will be after the 21st of June. That's a question we keep asking, but don't get answers to. So, um, uh, yeah, the guidance is clear. You should not sing congregationally whether wearing face masks or not wearing face masks. As we've said many times before, if you choose to ignore the guidance, then uh, you at the very least ought to work out why that is the case in your risk assessment. And we just remind you that there are insurance issues for churches um, uh, that are bound up with complying with government guidance that is put in such strong terms. You can't afford to simply ignore it because you have a legal duty to take account of the guidance as part of your health and safety responsibility. So the mere fact that the guidance on singing is put as a should rather than a must doesn't mean that that's just voluntary and you can choose to ignore it if you, if you want to. You've got to think through more carefully um, the legal responsibilities, health and safety venue insurance that are bound up with that. Uh, regarding the person singing indoors, if it's one person at the front or a small group singing, uh, the guidance says that performances should take place at the front of the place of worship to a seated audience. So does that mean that people shouldn't stand if that kind of singing takes place, even if they're not singing themselves? 
Um, the honest answer is I haven't noticed that bit of um, the guidance. I presume that the reason for that is wanting to, again, minimise aerosol transmission and the heights that people are at when people um, are singing. So I'm sorry, I haven't picked that up, but it may well be that what's being suggested there is that you shouldn't stand and do that. If people are singing behind plexiglass screens, which has been the case in other churches where there are other mitigations, you might be able to say that there's sufficient protection provided in that way. I suspect that what's being envisioned there is people singing without any kind of plexiglass provision. And the guidance at the moment says you should be two metres away from the congregation. If you're further away and you've got plexiglass screens, I think you would have a good argument that says that other mitigations uh, are in place, which would make it possible to stand while people are singing. Questions come in here about sort of staff meetings. Often uh, staff members of this particular church would go and meet at a cafe, for example, but cafes are not insisting on the two metres social distancing between people who arrive at a cafe together. Should they be following their own kind of risk assessment as what they're doing as church staff or should they follow what the cafe is, uh, is insisting on? At one level, the cafe is presumably not insisting on them not following social distancing. They've got to work out what is the right thing to do um, in that particular context. And it's not actually particularly different from the situation that's been true for work meetings all along, where the rules are not quite as strict and you have to work out in guidance terms how you conduct your work meeting um, and what the social distancing requirements are for that. I think um, the key thing with lots and lots of groups where you are in that more informal context where social distancing might not be observed is that the fact of everybody being comfortable with what's being done and I think one of the challenges in church life is the people who are bullish and want to say all of these restrictions um, are, are unnecessary will find themselves also engaging with people who are feeling vulnerable and will want to be protecting themselves and I think navigating in church life the fact that most of our churches will have people in both of those two groups and how we maintain a, a kind of a loving unity and understanding um, uh, uh, and I think as I said uh, the way that you um connect with others how close you get to them whether you hug them or not that has to be a mutual thing rather than just the view of the one person as to what they think should happen john can I ask some quick fire yes no uh, questions here we go uh, so let's just do a couple of these really quickly um john outside in a car park rules of rule of 30 doesn't apply does it because it's groups of 30 so you can it's have 60 in two groups uh, yes, provided it's the church car park. So um, there's a difference between the spe the rule about multiple groups of 30 is specifically because it's a place of worship and you're entitled to meet in a place of worship. So you can't go and have multiple groups of 30 in the, in the public park. You couldn't have multiple groups of 30 even in a private garden. It's specifically because the um, car park, courtyard, um, garden is counted legally as part of the premises of the, the place of worship. So it's, it's not quite a simple yes, no answer there. Um, it depends on uh, what the status of the car park or the space is. Thanks. So let's try this one for a yes, no. Uh, in an outdoor service when singing, do you have to wear a mask? No, there's no legal requirement to wear masks outside. Fantastic. And um, mitigations for one metre plus open windows, mask wearing, people sitting not face to face, they would be good mitigations to move from two metre to one metre plus? 
Absolutely. It's always been slightly difficult because the government guidance has always talked about two metres or one metre plus and then gives suggestions of what mitigations mean, which includes face coverings, which people in churches are already wearing. So um, uh, in some ways, you've probably been already considering, can it be one metre plus simply by wearing face coverings? But I think the combination of face coverings, uh, open windows and ventilation, which is much easier at this time of the year than it is in, in the winter period, seating so that you're not directly facing one, those would all be the things that um, uh, kind of the guidance would suggest are ways that mean you can reduce your social distancing to one metre rather than two metres. Uh, two more questions, then we're going to draw stumps. Um, social distancing and face masks, do they apply for youth and children's workers, youth and children's work? Um, I can't immediately answer definitively off the top of my head, but I don't, I don't think they do. And of course, the government has just changed the guidance in relation to kids wearing face coverings in schools. So I don't think that there is a requirement for wearing face coverings for doing children's work or children wearing them. Uh, question here has come from a church saying they have a community choir that use their buildings for singing in. And the performing arts guidance says that up to 30 of them can sing behind masks. Why are they allowed to do that in, in the church if the church chooses to rent it to them? But we can't sing on a Sunday. I'm afraid those are lots of the anomalies that are there in the law as the government has been making rather arbitrary decisions between different departments as to how to open up different sections of the economy. Now, at one level, um, uh, there's almost... Uh, you can argue and argue and argue about the discrepancies and why it's inconsistent, but that's not going to change what the government issues as its guidance, and it's not going to change our um, kind of legal responsibilities. So in all honesty, I have to say, just we've just got to live with it while we're in that environment. There are anomalies and inconsistencies. People will go into pubs and bars and sit in groups of six and not observe social distancing, and we're having to wrestle with how do we make it work out in a church context. I'm afraid that in the mess of coming out of what is a, a simple lockdown into a complex sort of uh, situation, exactly those kinds of anomalies are bound to occur. Um, and I'm afraid I can't explain them. You just have to think that government across every area is attempting to make policy decisions to try to enable us to get back to normal. And it's not going to be thoroughly consistent. John, that's great. I think we should stop there. But there are some of the questions that have been asked that we, we have answered those on our frequently asked questions. So if you've not had your question answered, do have a quick look on our website because some of those questions have been answered there. Well, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much for your patience. I'm sorry I can't make it easier. Um, I, I do pray that the Lord would help you as you try to work that out in your context. If you do have specific questions that you could help us with, do get in touch with us in the office and we'll endeavour to help you. We're going to update our Q&A, oh, sorry, FQA uh, on COVID. Um, as I said, look at the Baptist Union website, which has often got very helpful advice on it that's applicable to um, our kinds of uh, churches. Let me pray as we finish. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that we do seem to be in a time in which the restrictions because of COVID are being relaxed. Thank you for the uh, sort of the progress of vaccinations. Thank you for the way that seems to have restrained the virus. And we want to ask and pray that in your mercy that would continue to be the case. Lord, we thank you for these um, greater abilities to be able to meet together uh, indoors and outdoors in larger groups. We're still frustrated that we can't sing. We're frustrated as leaders that we have to think through these difficult questions of how to manage seating and groups and social distancing. Please give us great wisdom. Please help us not to become weighed down with frustration and annoyance. Lord, we can identify many inconsistencies in the guidance that's being provided and, and they great with us. But please would you give us a patient long suffering. We do want to ask and pray that in a short period of time, 
our churches may be able to gather in a much more normal way without having to worry about all of these situations. As we meet this Sunday and in these coming weeks, please would you help us to continue to declare your word with power and clarity. Please would we continue to see people um, being built up as disciples of the Lord Jesus. Please would we continue to see people being converted um, through the good news of the gospel. Give us great confidence in gospel ministry and the word of God that you've given us to proclaim. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the FIC podcast. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.